Obi-Wan Kenobi in disguise. Working undercover as assassin Racco Hardeen, Obi-Wan leads a secret mission to uncover the separatist plot against Chancellor Palpatine. Using cunning and courage, he gains the trust of bounty hunter Cad Bane and criminal mastermind Morallo Evol, earning him entrance to the stronghold of separatist leader Count Dooku. Now it is here on the beautiful planet of Sereno that a barbaric contest will determine the fate of Obi-Wan Kenobi and possibly the Republic itself. Once again, Bucketheads, Mayvartigar. Welcome to the 149th geometrically appeasing episode of Mandovision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for hanging out with us at this small, independent Star Wars podcast. We are so glad you're here. New listeners, old listeners, welcome aboard, welcome back. <laughs> if you're a new listener, I hope you listen to at least the previous two episodes, because we're right in the middle of this, uh, this, this plot to kidnap the Chancellor, and we cannot wait to talk about it with you some more. Uh, remember, the best way to find us, reach out to us on social media, is at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. If possible or so inclined, you want to support the show by writing a sweet, sweet, sweet five-star review, you can do that too, and we thank you in advance for doing so. How is everyone? How are we doing? Welcome back to another Star Wars The Clone Wars rewatch episode of MandoVision. We are, as I said, we are in the thick of things with Morallo Evol and his, his plan to kidnap Chancellor Palpatine on behalf of Count Dooku and the Separatists. You know, what, what better way to end the war than to, to, than to topple the Republic by taking his Chancellor hostage? Uh, there's a bit of a tonal shift in, in this episode of the series, as, you know, in the first two parts, it's very much portrayed that Morallo Eval is, you know, the mastermind, you know, a, a, a criminal genius, a man of high intellect. But that doesn't seem to be necessarily the case. Uh, you notice it right from the get-go, as, as they arrive in Sereno, Sereno, uh, which, by the way, we'll talk about that in a moment, too. Uh, but the the way Bane and Hardeen, a.k.a. Obi-Wan Kenobi in disguise, uh, interact with, with Ival is, is 
changed. It's altered. Something's occurred since we last caught up with them in the, in the time uh, that they escaped Anakin and Ahsoka to where they are now. Uh, and, and they seem to not have any, any zero tolerance for Ival, it seems. And uh, again, you know, this, this push for the bounty hunters to get paid, to get their money, and then as they make their way with Count Dooku, as, as we'll get to in the beginning of the episode, they both shove him <laughs> with their shoulders, you know, out of their way. Uh, and, and so I, I don't know if there was, was a, a little bit of a kneecapping per se, that occurred with Evolve's character. But he's far less threatening in, in this episode than he has been in, in, in at least the way he was portrayed, particularly in the first episode, you know, talking about killing his mom because he was bored, seemed to have like some sociopathic tendencies. Uh, he's very neutered in this. And and uh, he's a little bit of a, a, a groveler to Count Dooku, which is uh, not quite, the, I think, the, the dynamic we were expecting to get when hard when Morello Eval is presented to us in in the first episode, and even in the second one, he seems to still be uh, a bit more of a presence than he is in this one, where he's very very reduced. So we'll talk about that as we go on. Also, this episode we we get to go to, to Count Dooku's homeworld. We get to go to Sereno, uh, a, a planet that we have not seen a lot of in the past. But if you are a fan, if you've taken my my if you, you maybe already did it. Or maybe you took my my advice and you checked out Kevin Scott's uh, The Lost Jedi book or audio drama, depending on which way you wanted to go. and All about Count Dooku's time with the Jedi and some of the things that, that shaped him and his decision to leave the Order and, and to go back to become the Count of Sereno. And it's, um, it's nice to see the planet in this fashion. I had actually forgotten that this episode begins, and it's mainly set on the planet itself. Uh, so, a very, very pretty world. So, so we get to see little glimpses of it here and there in this episode, which is really, really, really nice. But the crux of this episode is all about the box, the titular box itself, kind of like the Cube movies, if you remember those, uh, where each room is 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 another sort of death-oriented puzzle you must have to solve or be dead. And it's uh, so it reminds me of that in, in that sense. But it's very, very interesting to see these bounty hunters in this sort of a, it's, it's almost like this, it's like a bounty hunter game show, right? Uh, they're, they're sort of auditioning to be part of the m- job <laughs> to kidnap Chancellor Palpatine. So they're auditioning basically, and you kind of have to survive at the, the, the different elements of the puzzles. Um, and we meet a lot of new bounty hunters some more memorable than others, some very, very short-lived. And we're going to go through all of them and give them a little bit of due. Uh, but let's go ahead and get our, our episode particulars out of the way first. This is Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 4, Episode 17, The Box. Original air date, February 3rd, 2012. Our plot this week, Count Dooku challenges 11 bounty hunters to survive several deadly levels devised by Moralo Ival. The winners will participate in the plot to kidnap Chancellor Palpatine on Naboo. Uh, this has got this has got Brian O'Connell directing it. Once again, written written by Brett Friedman, who's who's written the previous two parts of this as well. Uh, we have our principal voice cast, a lot of familiar faces in this one. Uh, we have let me go here and Corey Burton as Cad Bane and Count Dooku, James Arnold Taylor as Racco Hardeen, Stephen Stanton is Morello Yuval, Matthew Wood is Jerome. I think I said that correctly. Daron and, and one of the Magna Guards. Tom Kane is our narrator, and Yoda 
Dave Filoni returns to voice Embo. Matt Lanter is Anakin Skywalker. Ashley Eckstein is Kira Swan in this episode. So no Ahsoka. And Anakin's only in this briefly as well, but uh, the, uh, Ahsoka gets to voice Kira Swan. A little bit of something new for her in that. Uh, and we, like I said, we are going to give due to all the bounty hunters that we meet in this episode, even the ones who we don't spend a ton of time with. Our Jedi fortune cookie this week, the strong survive, the noble overcome. And that's a lot of what this episode is about. Again, we're in this cube, this the the the, the box, and you know, Obi-Wan's going around and he's it's he's helping these other bounty hunters survive these death traps that are in each of the uh, each of the levels. He's he's he knows that if he survives, he moves on and advances uh, to the plot to be a part of, of the plot here that he's that he's been trying to foil the entire time. This you know just surviving the box gets him into this, uh, but he spends a lot of time making sure his fellow uh, combatants also survive. Uh, so again, we see the nobility of Obi Wan's character. You know he's had to let a lot of characters, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, people die over the course of this this arc to embed himself with Eval and Cad Bane. Um, but now he's in a, in a position to look directly shape the outcome of the, of the tournament and who will go on to be in the caper. And, you know, I, again, the, I don't question the nobility of Obi-Wan's character at all. You, you know, he's, he's going to try and help these people. He's going to show his, his teamwork skills, which is very underrated and, and very much the antithesis of what the box is, which is a survival of the fittest sort of thing, each person on their own. But Obi-Wan quickly comes to the conclusion that they have to work together to get out of this. Now, granted, Obi-Wan does a lot of the work himself, but uh, it sort of inspires the others to take more of an active role in, in engaging with each other as well. So it, it's really interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, we get a lot of information about Hardeen in this episode, too, which we hadn't really had previously, and we'll talk about that. I do want to mention uh, the bounty hunters that we spent some time with in this episode. And we'll start with the 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 well what 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 started off as a duo, <laughs> a, a brother an Ithorian brother team of bounty hunters, Anka and Bulldaga. Well, Bulldaga doesn't stay with us very long because Cad Bane decides he likes his hat, so Cad Bane kills Bulldaga, which leaves Anka all alone. The, his little tandem, now, just himself, and it doesn't go. Listen. <laughs> a lot of these bounty hunters don't make it off Sereno, and Anka is one of them. Spoiler alert! But again, seeing you see two Ithorians, it's kind of fun. At least I think so. I'm a fan of the Ithorians. Uh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> and again, Cad Bane killing one of them for uh, for a hat. And that's uh, that's pretty amusing stuff right there. We also get to meet Sinrich, who is a Snivian. Apparently, his claim to fame is a, a holographic disguise matrix. And I sort of wonder it's, if it's the disguise matrix that we see later in the fourth installment of this uh, episode. But uh, sad for Sinrich, the Snivian, he does not make it off, or make it out of the box in one piece either. So bad news for him. Now we'll meet the character that uh, Ashley Eckstein is playing in this episode. This is, we already said her name. This is Kira Swan. And Kara Swan is a female Weequay, which we don't see a ton of too often. You know, maybe in Hondo's gang, you see them every now and then. But we get to spend a little bit of time with one here, and that's a nice thing. Again, does not make it off of Sereno. <laughs> Sorry to say. 
<laughs> the box is hard. It's not a it's a it's a cruel box. And Kiris One, like the others we've named already, does not make it out. Another non-survivor of the box in this episode is Mantu. And Mantu is a cell cat. Uh, this is a, a, a species that I believe we first got connected with uh, in, in the old Bioware Leg- uh, Knights of the Old Republic video game that we had on Xbox. And now you can get, you can get it on, as you're on your phone as a game app, and, and there's different mods for it that you can check out. But I believe that was the first time we got to hang out with some cell cats. Uh, I've always liked the, the visual appeal of the cell cats, but unfortunately Mantu um, is not long for, the, for this world as the box claims him as well. So yeah, bummer for him. Another guy who doesn't make it out of here. And, you know, I sort of feel like they are the red shirts of, of the Star Wars universe. Uh, whenever you see, I feel like whenever you see a Rodian, especially a Rodian bounty hunter, that guy is not going to make it. He is not long for this world. And that is, uh, Jacoli is much the same way. Not, not going to last very long. But he's the Rodian bounty hunter that we meet in this episode. Uh, he, he has a reputation. Maybe we'll play the clip for it later on. But apparently he's known for killing his targets uh, doesn't want to bring them in alive, and uh, that's sort of his reputation uh, as the Rodian bounty hunter. But again, does not make it out of the box here on Sereno. We also get to meet Six Tat. Now, Six Tat is a weird looking dude. <laughs> he is a he's got the nickname of the Outlands Butcher, which makes him sound scary. He is a, a Sakaian, I believe I say that I'm saying that correctly, Sakian. From the planet Sakai, Saki maybe, one of those two, also dies in the box. Does not make it out of the box. Sad, sad, sad. We also get to spend a little time with Twazi. Uh, Twazi is a Frank female bounty hunter from the planet uh, of Garobi. And we, I think we've seen some Franks before, but I, I couldn't specifically mention when. Though this is the only time we will spend any time with Twazi. Uh, she does make it out of the box. We will see her more next episode. And we also get to hang out with Daron, who is uh, a Parwa. And Hardeen has a great line about, about Parwa later in the episode. Uh, Daron is, is very important to one of the challenges later in the episode. Uh, and, and why we're interested in Daron is, is because he's based off of a, a Ron Cobb design that went unused in Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. For a cantina alien, uh, but they bring him to life here, and uh, again, an interesting species. I, I like the way they, they kind of communicate, and we get to learn a little bit about them in the in a, a, a challenge in the box that is uh, very specific to him. Uh, then we get to meet one of our favorites, a returning character. We've seen him before. We've spent time with him before. I am, of course, talking about Embo. Uh, I love Embo, the 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 Kyuzo bounty hunter. Uh, he's from the planet uh, Fatrong. You know him. You've seen him in the other episodes. He has this giant uh, uh, metal round hat, the great breathing apparatus to give him a very distinct look. And he's just super, super tall and super, super awesome looking. He has a great design about him. Uh, we are big fans of Embo. And, and uh, Embo even has a part in, in, those, uh, in those Chuck Hardwick novels, uh, Chuck Wendig novels, excuse me, uh, the Empire, uh, Empire Ends books, uh, where he gets... You know, he gets to be funded by the Republic at the end of those books after the Battle of Jakku. So we know that Embu survives a lot of things. He's a great character. I'm a big fan of him. was delighted to see him in this. 
so he is one of the characters we get to spend some time with as well. Now, again, I mentioned before, a lot of information that we're going through before we even get into the episode, so I, I kind of apologize about that. <laughs> Normally the preamble to the show is not this long. But we do get to find out some more stuff about Racco Hardeen finally, and I've been kind of waiting for this because, you know, when we were first introduced to Hardeen, you know, it was just was as the guy who kills Obi-Wan Kenobi. But now we find out, hey, this guy's got a sweet nickname. He's the Marksman of Concord Dawn. And Concord Dawn, you say, that's right. That means Racco Hardeen is from the Mandalore sector. He's from a planet that uh, uh, when we catch up with Concord Dawn in Rebels, it's, uh, it's under the protection of Fen Rao. Uh, so a very interesting connection. You know, we know that Obi-Wan has a history in Mandalore with his time uh, protecting the Duchess Satine. And now he's impersonating a, a Mandalorian uh, in, in, in that aspect, too. And then uh, another element that I wanted to bring up, too, you know, he has that new costume, the helmet that's based on the old OG, uh, one of the old OG designs uh, that was gonna, that turned into Boba Fett's, you know, Mandalorian costume, his Mandalorian armor. And this is not the last time we'll see Obi-Wan use that disguise. So keep that in mind uh, for an episode, I think it's in season five, and, and we'll get to catch back up with this look that we are getting to see Obi-Wan with as Racco Hardeen. But yeah, I was very, very uh, interested in that connection for Obi-Wan to, pl to play a character from Concord Dawn, a, a, a planet known for its Mandalorian warriors. So that was very, very interesting to me, and I'm glad we finally got that piece of Racco Hardeen's information out there for all you fine, fine folks, because I've been wanting to talk about it. <laughs> all right, I think that's everything I have before we get into the episode itself. Now we are ready to dive in to the box. And you know what that means. It's time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. I apologize for my delay. Your careless delay could have ruined my plan, Ival. I see Cad Bane is with you. Who is the other one? This is Reiko Hardeen. When Bane's escape plan failed, we only succeeded thanks to Hardeen. I thought he might be useful for the tournament. Enough small talk. I want my money. That makes two of us. You shall have it, and perhaps much more. Both of you, if you would like to enter our friendly little contest. I'm in, if he's in. You already owe me for one job, Dooku. Anything else would cost you triple. I assure you that if you survive the challenge, the reward will be well worth it. And that was the shoving that you heard right there. Bane and Hardeen. No respect for Yval anymore. They're done with him. Now that they're in the presence of Dooku, the one who I think they recognize is the one really calling the shots here. Uh, so yeah, an interesting setting of the stage here, introducing this idea of the tournament, of the challenge, and, and Dooku, interestingly enough, calling it a friendly little game uh, because it is anything but, <laughs> as a lot of people are going to die. <laughs> So as we get ready to get into the next section of the show, uh, just a quick note that I meant to—I didn't mean to mention earlier. Uh, because this episode, this is a pretty action-oriented episode. It's very visually based, uh, so we may do—we will probably have less sound clips. So I'll make up for the length of the intro to the show in the back half here, as we probably will not have as many of uh, as many dramatic 
dialogue clips to play here. It's, a, again, a very action-oriented episode, very uh, visually-based episode. I'm not just going to play uh, sound effects and dramatic music. <laughs> so we'll see how this shakes out. But, yeah, there may be some uh, a lot less clips than we normally like to do. But the, the, a very important sequence coming up, so stay tuned. You summoned me, Master? Wrong to deceive you. It was. But much at stake. There is. So I was right. Obi-Wan is still alive. Skywalker, a powerful Jedi, you are. Yet unpredictable and dangerous you can be to both your friends and enemies. For Obi-Wan, on your patience, everything depends. What if he needs our help? Hmm. If you leave, help him, you could. But his future, hmm, uncertain is. Trust in Obi-Wan, we must. So there you go, echoes of The Empire Strikes Back right there, much like what Yoda told uh, Luke Skywalker about going rushing off to, to Cloud City to save Han and Leia and Chewie and everybody else. Uh, so, again, sort of like that, that, that duality between these Skywalker characters, right? Now, Anakin's hearing the same thing that Luke will later hear in his life. And, again, this is, this is Anakin... Um, not that he doesn't trust Obi-Wan, but he wants to be able to help his friend. He wants to be able to come into the aid of his friend. And... Uh, to to be told that that's not a great idea <laughs> because you are unpredictable and dangerous. Woof. I, I, I feel like that's got to sting a little bit. I mean, he's been lied to already. We know he's emotionally upset. And Anakin is borderline emotionally volatile, too. And, and now he's being told that, like, hey, you got to pump the brakes because if you rush in there right now, this is all going to go sideways. Um, and that's hard for Anakin to, to sit on his hands. And to put him in a position of what he thinks the, of the Jedi of the Jedi Order itself, a, 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 as you know, Anakin thinks the Jedi are very often a, a group of do nothings. You know, they sit on their hands; they don't get involved. They they they're willing to let things play out. Blah blah blah. All these things that Anakin disagrees with. Now he's put in that position where he has to do the same thing. He has to trust in his friend to be okay and to make contact and ask for help when they need it, when he needs it, not when Anakin just rushes in there head first and, and blows up this, this, this calculated operation that the Jedi put together. Now, again, I disagree with the tactics the Jedi have employed in this, but we've talked about it before. The shroud of the dark side has fallen over the order and they are not thinking clearly here. So again, deceiving members of their order, deceiving other people who know and love Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, it, it was a bad idea, bad, bad, bad. But now they got to see it through. They're sort of they're, they're they are they are committed at this point, and they have to trust Obi Wan to see it through. And there will be fallout from this, and and we'll get to that in the in the fourth episode of this arc, uh, because yeah, Anakin is not happy with with Obi Wan's decisions in this. Um, and again, that's it's another dent in in anakin's ideology of not his ideology excuse me wrong word but in in the impression he has of the jedi and and you know this this is these are all things that add up to anakin going to the dark side this is just another little weight to put in his pocket for his fall that's going to you know bog him down into the dark side uh, but no it's a great conversation I, I love this little bit and this is pretty much the only time we, we we're going to spend with other characters. Uh, now we go back to Sereno. We spend our time in the box with, with Hardeen and Bane and everybody else. Uh, and, and yeah, we get to see the challenges here. 
You know, another another dynamic that's changed a little bit uh, in between episodes two and three of this arc, you know, we talked before about Hardeen and Bane and their attitude towards Evol having changed. Uh, kind of kind of seeing him as more of a lackey now than as a, as like some kind of mastermind that was feared and respected at all times. Uh, and now we see a bit of a change between Hardeen and Bane in their relationship with each other. Uh, it, it's no by no means a friendship has formed or some kind of bond has been made. Uh, and I, I, I hesitate to say it's even like a mutual respect because I don't think that's the case at all. But they've sort of learned how to coexist better <laughs> so while they're on Sereno and they're they're now moving amongst the other bounty hunters who've been invited for the tournament their recent history has sort of put them uh in in a in a not a partnership necessarily but in a in a again sort of this this recency bias camaraderie you know because Bane at least knows what he's getting out of Hardeen in this scenario at least he thinks he does uh, so now let's check in as uh, Cad Bane's about to upgrade his hat. Uh, and this scene is nothing but amusing to me. So let's check it out. Nice hat. Where did you get it? Nice hat. All right, so <laughs> just uh, just a really amusing sequence right there. And uh, uh, speaking of amusing things, there's there's I don't know if I've seen anything quite as delightful as the idea of the of the, of the visual of an Ithorian wearing a cowboy hat. That is something to to behold. And he has like these cool like uh. They're not like sunglasses, but like these kind of like special optic lenses over his eyes and everything. <laughs> and it's quite a look. It's quite a look this Ithorian has. Very distinguished for an Ithorian. I mean, if you think I, uh, all Ithorians look the same, which, by the way, makes you racist. But if you, if you do, one in a cowboy hat's definitely going to stick out. Definitely going to stick out. Oh, my goodness gracious. But what kind of surprises me, what kind of it, it baffles me is that his brother is just standing there. Already with a gun in hand. He doesn't even have to draw on Cad Bane. He could shoot him down right then. Doesn't move a muscle. Doesn't flinch, twitch, inch, scratch. None of it. None of it. Just watches his brother get gunned down and then kind of makes like a sad, frowny face noise. And, and, and that's it. And Cad Bane's just moving on with his life with his new hat, which has got like the way wider brim, which apparently is more his style. Um... <laughs> It's just, I you know, so so, I guess what I'm asking is, is, is Anka just scared of Cad Bane? I think he is. I, I think he's like, oh, I'm not drawing down on this guy. No way. I may have a gun in my hand already, but I'm still not. I'm still not fast enough to beat Cad Bane. Uh, and to be honest, the way the way Bane operates, I'm actually surprised he didn't shoot Anka as well. So it's just, woo, that's a sequence and a half. Uh, but now we're going to get to Dooku coming out and, and introducing everybody to everybody, giving them, reading off their, their bona fides, their credentials, if you will, their, their CVs, their resumes, whatever you have, and, and sort of establishing the rules of the box. And I think there might be a nugget or two that we can play in here, but I'm going to skip over the introductions because I, I kind of gave, um, hopefully I gave you all enough information 
for who these people are moving forward as we enter the box. So we'll see to the next section. In a few moments, all 11 of you will enter what we call the box. Some of you will not make it out alive. For those who do, we are looking for the five most skilled among you. Any additional survivors will be eliminated to preserve the integrity of the job that awaits you. Place your weapons here. For those we choose, you will, of course, be paid most handsomely. But more than that, you will be a part of an operation remembered as a turning point in the Clone Wars. And when we succeed, we will bring the Republic to its pitiful knees. Listen up. The box was designed by me, Moralo Eva to simulate certain situations that might happen on the job. Go now, enter the box, if you have the courage. As they all enter the box, they have the courage to at least walk into the doors. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mentioned it earlier, the, 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 the box is very reminiscent of the, the Cube films, if, you're, if you are familiar with them. It's, you know, various death traps await in each chamber of the box. It would have been kind of fun, in my opinion, if they had done a sort of giant uh, Hellraiser-style puzzle box <laughs> and you open the gateway to the Cenobites. That would have been pretty cool. Uh, maybe not, maybe too, that's not the Star Wars. That would have been too much for Star Wars to handle. That was a little bit... Uh, though I've always thought there would be a fun crossover between Hellraiser and Event Horizon. I mean, they they are kind of the same in a sense. Just if you if you substitute the spaceship for the puzzle box, but yeah. Anyways, that's a tangent. That's a side tangent, and we don't need to go down that path right now. But yeah, big giant death box GameCube of of enlightenment. No, there's no enlightenment. Only death. But I do like calling it the GameCube because one of you, dear listeners, I know for for a fact had a GameCube and had the Rogue Squadron game on it. You know who you are. Before we begin our first challenge, let me say there is only one rule inside the box. There are no rules. The point, my friend, is to escape, and quickly, because only the survivors will advance to the next challenge. Oh, the old no rules, every man for himself. You know what's coming, you know what's happening. Get ready. But it's going to be Obi-Wan that sort of brings them all together here under the guise of Hardeen. Uh, and the first puzzle box, or the first room, is Dioxus Gas. We all remember Dioxus from... Uh, uh, no, whoop, whoop, almost misstepped. From the Phantom Menace, when they tried to kill uh, Padawan Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn aboard the Trade Federation ship. And, yeah, so we know it's pretty hardcore, lethal stuff. Not everyone... Uh, makes it out of this scenario alive. The, the room fills with the gas. There's columns going up and down. Uh, and you know, the, the, the inclination being that, oh, if we go up above the gas, we'll be fine. Except then those pillars will go up into the ceiling and they're going to kill you too. Uh, so it's Obi-Wan as Hardeen who figures out that, hey, if we go back down, we will go below the gas and there's a tunnel that leads us out. And that's that's essentially what happens. And this is sort of how... Hardeen begins to sort of become 
I don't know if I want to use the word leader, but they begin to follow him in, in that in that regard uh, because he's figuring these things out and he's helping each person to survive to go to the next challenge. Again, people are dying in the diaxis. People are going to die in the next room and the next room after that. Uh, but Obi-Wan's trying to, to minimize that. He is trying to give these people a chance at the very, very least. So we move to the second chamber room. Uh, this is the one with like, the... the, the columns that shoot out of the wall with the light daggers on them. This is where Anka gets it. Um, and a lot of people get it, honestly. But this is where Count Dooku begins to notice Hardeen, and he wants some information about him. What does Moralo Ival, who is, again, in his control room, setting all this stuff up, and Dooku's with him, and now he's asking Ival for what he knows about Hardeen. So let's go ahead and check that sequence out. Impressive. I sense something different about that one. Tell me what you know about this Rako Hardeen. He killed the Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi, but only with a sniper rifle. Obi-Wan Kenobi. So the way he says that is very suspicious, and it sort of made me wonder if he was uh, aware or, or beginning to sort of puzzle out that there was more to Rako Hardeen. Than we've been led, to, than he'd been led to believe, right? That there's some, some sort of plot afoot, uh, but maybe he has that in the back of his mind, but he never really follows up on that notion, on that idea. But he's definitely surprised to hear he that that name. Maybe that's not surprised to hear in that context. But when he hears the name Obi Wan Kenobi, I think he definitely is suspicious. Would you not agree with me on that? And it will be Hardeen who is a, I think about to figure out the next. Uh, this next death trap, these light, light daggers in the wall. Let's check it out. I know how to get out. Show me. There's a pattern to the blades. Watch. That one's next. If I can time it right, I can climb up to that exit shaft. Just follow me and time your jump. Go. All right, so you're going to see all this stuff. Again, more action. We don't need to have – you know, we had enough sound effects there with them just looking around. I'm a little (laughs) – I was hoping he was going to puzzle that out a little bit faster. Uh, I don't know what I want to say about this part necessarily because I, I would assume a bounty hunter has to have some pretty good dexterity. And again, we talked about it before in the previous episodes. I don't think Obi-Wan is, is going to be able to like really do anything too outside the limits of, of, a, of a normal, non-force-using being. So it's all about his agility, his dexterity, and his skill at jumping that's going to get him through this challenge here. Because he, you know, he can't do any force leaps, he can't do anything that will give away that he's a Jedi Knight or has the force at his, as his ally. None of those things. But still, I mean, an incredible amount of... of of, of ability on display here and you wonder like wow if if you know these bounty hunters are this fierce and agile they are they are a pretty lethal group uh to begin with and and that is a does not bode well for the chancellor in the long run <laughs> if bounty hunters are this uh graceful in the in their style in which they uh, get out of these death chambers here in the box but let's check out the next sequence here because again some people have died and some people are going to get out for the next challenge so let's see what happens then 
So yes, Hardeen leads him out, and Dooku takes notice. Let's, let's hear his thoughts on this. Hardeen has done it again. I'm beginning to think he may be the best one to lead this operation. Hardeen is crafty, I will grant you. But let's see what happens when he is not the key to their survival. And this is where uh, our, our friend the Parwan will come in handy uh, because they have a death trap that's designed specifically for the him. And, and uh, well, no, I shouldn't say death trap for him, but he is the key to getting out of the trap. Uh, again, it's sort of interesting the way the, the thing, you know, Eval seems very upset when these guys get out of this room. But that seems kind of counterintuitive to what they're trying to do, right? Like, they, they need five people to survive this challenge, right? So why is he getting upset that Hardeen is making it through and bringing the others with him? I mean, plenty of people are still dying in each of these rooms. It just seems odd that, that Eval is getting like, oh, foiled again by Raiko Hardeen. No, 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 my friend. You're trying to recruit the best of the best, right? So somebody's got to survive this, these death traps. I mean, you do make it so there's an exit on them. I think he's just more, perhaps he's just more upset that he's aiding his fellow bounty hunters in, in, in getting out of these rooms. But again, I mean, if these bounty hunters are, are as uh, shrewd as they seem to be, once they see what Hardeen's done to get out, they're just going to emulate it. And, I mean, and that's basically what's happened here. So Val should, should you know, calm down, take it down a notch, fella. Relax a little bit. To reach your final challenge, you must pass through my regime. The switch to turn it off is on the other side. The syringe on your platform contains a highly electrolytic serum that will allow you to pass through the shield. However, it is toxic to all but one of you. <laughs> Alright, so spoilers, it's it's uh Darwan, right? Uh the, the, the Parwan who is able to take the injection here. Hey, I'll put you in charge. Does anyone know what this gas bag is saying? I do. He can get us out of this. He's a par one. His blood can take the electrolytic serum. Dinrar. Are you certain? 50-50. Depends on the blood type of the par one. Great. And meanwhile, uh, this room, again, it's puzzling out. There are on these platforms that are, are drastically shrinking down, so people are falling off the platforms. Our bounty hunters are dying and running into the, falling into, the, into the, these ray shields. It's killing them. Uh, our Rodian's already dead, and there's more dead ones on the way out here. And and th- I, I guess my question about this this sequence here is, you know, once uh, once uh, once the Parwin injects himself with the serum to go through the ray shield, it's it's a very slow process with which he has to go through the ray shielding. So it takes him still a considerable amount of time. And you know, and me, I sort of wonder how intentional it was on his part to do it maybe slowly so that it, the competition was falling to their deaths. <laughs> you know, again, these these other bounty hunters, not the noble ones that Obi-Wan Kenobi is. And and so 
uh, they're in this position where they're waiting for for the par one to do what he's supposed to do here. But maybe he's letting a few, maybe he's doing it a little slower than he could to sort of thin the herd so that he will make it into the next uh, challenge himself and, and possibly to the to the final stage and be part of this plot against the chancellor. Oh, just a quick little sequence here as they move from the racial chamber to the next one here as uh, because Hardin gets asked a question and he has an amusing answer. His blood. How did you know about it? I used to kill parwans for a living. Good. <laughs> that just amuses me. <laughs> All right, Dooku's getting fired up. He's he's pushing Eval's buttons. Let's check this out. Your box does not appear to be as much of a challenge as I thought. Perhaps I should put Hardeen in charge of the mission. But this was my plan. You promised me the lead role. You have one last test to change my mind. Do not fear, Count Dooku. I will show you who is weak. So yeah, Ival in, in a much different position than I think we all anticipated after meeting him in the, in the first episode of this arc when he's in the, in the, in the, the Coruscant Central Prison there. Uh, and again, this notion that, again, it's his plan, he's the mastermind here. But, but again, Dooku's calling the shots and he's willing to take it all away based off of... Uh, because he wants to make sure this plan succeeds. So he must have doubts about Evolve from the beginning here. And he's going to put Evolve in a position where he's going to have to uh, uh, assert and earn this, this, this position amongst the crew here. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting the way it shakes out. Let's see. Let's get to the next challenge. This is the shooting challenge. And uh, yeah, more people die. So Six Tech goes first, makes. His first two targets that are moving across the wall misses the third, falls to his death, uh, and then the platform shrinks down again. Now, Rocco Hardin will go, a.k.a. Obi-Wan Kenobi. And again, interesting to see Obi-Wan Kenobi with a sniper rifle in his hands, the the weapon that was used to quote-unquote kill him. And again, we know what Obi-Wan thinks of of firearms, right? Of, of, of blasters and rifles and things like that. They're so uncivilized. We all know. Uh, but he seems to be quite good at them. <laughs> he's, he's very good with the sniper rifle, does exceedingly well with it, and Eval is not stoked on that. Let's check it out as he begins to lose his marbles at Hardeen. Now, at the same time, after he's gotten these three targets, the, the rest of the bounty hunters that are, that are still surviving are on this back platform, and it begins to raise itself up, separating them from Hardeen. This is not the first time you've saved everybody's skin, Hardeen. Five more hits? Let's see how good you really are. Alright, so the platform is shrunk down. Basically, he misses it's all over. Hardeen will go will fall down to his fiery death at the bottom of this pit. But of course, Eval has uh, this one rigged a little bit. Oh, what a shame. Out of charges. It's also important as a bounty hunter to be lucky. And your luck just ran out. And that was Cad Bane shooting his rappel line down, catching Hardeen around the arm and sparing him from a fiery death. 
dare you defy Morallo Ivao? If you're gonna kill him, do it like a man. You heard him, Ivao. And now we get Eval versus Hardeen. And again, like Dooku said, uh, he's kind of had enough moral Eval's BS at this point. And he's fairly impressed by Hardeen's actions. But, but when Kenobi has the tables turned, when he has Eval down for the count, it can put him out of his misery. Again, he's, uh, Kenobi does Kenobi, and he spares his life. But Count Dooku, not a fan of mercy. By the way, it's a really great action sequence here. There's a lot of good stuff. Morale, uh, uh, Morale Ival still has plenty of tricks up his sleeves, trying to d deploy mini probe droids at him. It's a great sequence. Again, Obi-Wan gets to do a lot of stuff, show off his his, his uh, agility, his dexterity, not using force powers, but just a, he's a really skilled combatant at this point. And, and uh, again, I, I like the sequence quite a bit, but here's where he will choose to, to not kill Morale Ival to much to the chagrin of Count Dooku. Finish him, Aki. Very disappointing. All due respect. I just want to do my job and get my money. It is unfortunate that your leadership skills are so lacking. Nevertheless, congratulations on surviving the box. Tomorrow you will kidnap Chancellor Palpatine at the festival on Naboo. With the leader of the Republic as our hostage, we will demand the release of all separatist prisoners. If our demand is not met, the Chancellor will be executed. Either way, you will help reshape the galaxy. Once you are all aboard the transport, Ival will walk you through his plan. However, the operation on Naboo will be run by... Can't be. All of you work for him now. And there you have it. And that closing shot, as Cad Bane steps out to look at the bounty hunters assembled right there, if you pause it right before the credits begin, what you have there is a Star Wars version, a Star Wars recreation of the poster from Usual Suspects. Even with Morello Eval, the way he's holding his arm, very much like Verbal Kent in the poster as well. So a little bit of a, of a wink and a nod to a very great caper film. And that uh, if you haven't seen The Usual Suspects, I do recommend it. I don't care much for the director. Uh, he's a real scumbag piece of poop. But good film nonetheless. Christopher McQuarrie script. Well done stuff on that one. But yeah, just a, 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 it's a real subtle little thing. But if you, if you, if you, if you blink it, you'll miss it. But if, if you pay attention and you see it, and you're like, oh, yeah, it does look like the, the poster for Usual Suspects. Another outstanding episode. Again, we didn't get to play as many ver uh, verbal clips on this one because it is a much more visual episode of the show. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really fun one. Getting to see Kenobi uh, be noble and virtuous, even to this group of bounty hunters. Uh, just, you know, he can't he can only, you know, He's not going native, right? Like, he's not getting into the bounty hunting lifestyle. He's not going to go rogue here. He's still Obi-Wan through and through. Right? And, and despite the fact that he's had to let, you know, let people die 
uh, in in service of this this plan to infiltrate Morality Val and Count Dooku's group. Uh, um, um, I almost called him a gang, but <laughs> but to infiltrate and get a, to become part of this this plot against the Chancellor to kidnap the Chancellor, uh, he's had to make some decisions. But he's not getting corrupted by by this process, uh, and and he's Obi Wan through and through. And I think that really shines in this. And he's he survived. He's gonna be part of the plan. He will he will have a role to play in the kidnapping of Chancellor Palpatine in the next episode, as he has desired since this arc began. Uh, it's 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 an eight and a half easy, but it's really close to a nine because it, there's a lot going on in this episode that I really really had fun with, and the death traps are neat. I like them. I think they're fun. We get to see a, a bunch of characters that are sort of disposable, bite the bullet, pay the price, uh, in, in in fun and inventive ways. Uh, you know, a death cube is always a, a fun way to kill people, and, and and now we get to see it in Star Wars. So this works out really really nicely. Uh, big fun in the episode. Great arc. Really, really enjoying this one. You know, the it doesn't quite have the gravitas of 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 Krell, um, and you know, there's not as much subtext as the slavery arc that we just went through. But this is still really great stuff we're seeing. A lot of fun, and we're getting to spend time with Kenobi and see Kenobi in a way that we haven't seen him before, which is really, really great. And we're gonna talk more about that uh, on the final installment of this arc next episode. So I hope you will join me for that one. It's gonna be a good time. Please and thank you. Uh, a, f- a friendly reminder to please follow us on social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. And remember, if you want to support the show with five-star reviews, those are so helpful, and we thank you in advance for doing so. If you want to support the show with some, some extra scratch, you can head over to Patreon.com forward slash MandoVision, and you can become a MandoVision maniac. You will uh, gain access to bonus content, and hang out with sweet, sweet people like the Aspinel Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail. Jeff is co-host of The Ring and Ear, a great music podcast, so check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General, Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing, right here in San Diego, the Beer Hop Breeder General, Jesus Beer Hops, the silent assassin, he who shall not be named, and Syndicate Ram, co-host of Come On, It's Still Good, a great movie podcast that I recommend. All right, we are definitely in overtime right now. I thank you all so much for sticking around. Indulge me for the, the really long introduction to this episode as we, as we uh, uh, provided some, some details about the characters we were meeting in this one. And I hope you had as much fun as I did with it. We're going to close out this arc next episode. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to see you all again. Or well, I can't wait to join you all again. <laughs> and remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.